0: The last few months in the men's Bible study, we've been walking through portions of the Old Testament, and I've been drawn to the idea of Sabbath. And from my perspective, um, Sunday's always been a work day for me. And so trying to figure out how I'm supposed to deal with that uh, at times is something that, um, you know, I'm just going, I'm not sure I handle this very well. I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And I was talking with, um, well, back up. There was, a, there was a moment a few weeks back, chewing on this, and uh, I realized in the Old Testament that they didn't travel when they were taking their rest. They were right there at their home, so to speak and the, uh, the idea of trying to f- to rest and to engage with the lord and to refresh without moving anywhere that's kind of complicated at times right i mean because everything around you is speaking of what needs to be done and yet like i was talking with rob about this uh, a week ago and When God ceased from his creativity, he rested. And so if I'm just engaging in another form of creativity, you know, the problem-solving that says, okay, I'm not going to go work doing other things, right? I'm going to sit down and plan how to get that work done. That's not really backing off, is it? It's just taking a different form. And so I've been chewing on that for weeks, and so I thought I'd let you chew on it with me. But I want to walk through some of the Old Testament principles, and that's really all I can give you. I can't give you this is what you have to do. I can give you the principles laid out, and then you're going to have to find answers for yourself. Um, That's good for me. That puts more responsibility on you. (laughs) It's a good thing. Um, So what I want to do is I want to walk through just some of the Old Testament uh, highlights Some of what Jesus did, and then a little bit of the New Testament uh, with Paul's writings as well. So in Exodus chapter 16, the people have come out of slavery, where they had others telling them what to do and when, and suddenly they're free of that. So they don't have that, you have to do this, but at the same time they're marching, they're working, they're gathering food, and and God says, okay, one day a week, I want you to take off. Now, I'm, going, I'm not going to get into the difference between Sabbath and Sunday and spend much energy on that. The oldest meaning of Sabbath is rest. And so I'm going to kind of just stick within that parameter. We can look at the whole, when do you worship another time, not today. So... What he called them to was, I want you to cease from all your work. That, That was one of the main ideas of this. I want you to just stop. Whatever it is, I want you to stop. And then he goes on to say, this is to be a holy day. So that's part of that engaging with the Lord and saying, okay, I need to reconnect here. This is my opportunity to to listen for his voice. And it was important enough to him that he said, you prepare, you know, you work six days, but on that sixth day, you make preparation for this seventh. You make preparation for this Sabbath day. So in other words, you make plans so, so that you can actually shut down. You, you put your energy into making preparation so that you can take a break. So again, it's not just a, well, yeah, if I have time, we'll do this. No, he says, I want you to plan this way. Then in Exodus chapter 31, he says, it's a sign between me and you. And what he's saying is God as creator in making all things took a day off and he says, I want you to imitate me. I want you to identify with me. I'm leaving the, the world for you to work in, right? He told them, you know, subdue and increase and all of that. But he's saying, I want you to model after me what's been done. And so just as I've made you a creator too, you know, where you're taking on things and problem solving, he says, I want you also to model me with this taking a break. So it's a a challenging thing. We're carrying on God's work, but we're also carrying on his habits or practice. Um, And we cease from creating in certain portions and just allow that to turn into something different. Now, I want to jump into Isaiah uh, and read this because it's, Isaiah really goes after it in the 58th chapter. He says, I want you to observe this rather than doing anything you please. So it's not just me day. It's, it's something different than that. You must look forward to the Sabbath and treat the Lord's holy day with respect. So he says, you're actually going to, to live with anticipation for these times. And he says, you refrain from your normal activities, refraining from your selfish pursuits, making business deals as well, and then you'll find joy in your relationship with the Lord. So he says, if you're willing to walk down this path or if you do what I'm asking of you, he says, your relationship with the Lord is going to have a measure of joy that you can't attain except this way. Interesting idea, isn't it? You know, sometimes we're going, I just seem to have lost my joy. And maybe one of the formulas for getting it back is right here. He says, he also, I'm going to give you prosperity. Isn't it the worry that if I don't work, that I'm just, things are going to fall apart, I'm going to go broke? That's part of it. And yet he says the opposite is going to take place. If you're willing to submit to this, in Jeremiah, I'm going to keep moving on. Jeremiah is, he's prophesying right before the people are going to get hauled off and their country's about to be conquered. And he's been giving warnings so through the years. He gives warning after warning after warning, and and his prophecies expand quite a a length of time. But he makes this comment, he says, if you value your lives, be very careful not to carry your loads into the city and and, uh, through the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. So he's warning them ahead of time, and he's saying, this is pretty important. Later on, now here's the thing that just is incredibly amazing to me, they were to take Sabbath years. So they had their weekly Sabbaths. They also had holidays that were like Sabbaths. But they also had every 50 years a year when they were actually supposed to just take the year off. Which we're kind of going, you know that Old Testament law? Sometimes that sounds pretty interesting to me. You know, I mean, who of us would think that we could even take a whole year and do nothing and get away with it? But in a sense, that was what God was offering them in, in the covenant that he laid out to them. But with that, he said, uh, Jeremiah prophesies and says, you're going to be gone 70 years. You're going to be gone a year for every year that you didn't take that year off. So their faith apparently hadn't been strong enough to, to practice that. But Jeremiah is going, God didn't forget what he called you to. And, and so he, 70 years, exactly. But why the 70? Because it was one for each of those years that they had refused to take off. So it spanned hundreds of years, but it was still that important to the Lord. That's the Old Testament picture on which Jesus builds his ministry. Out of Matthew chapter 5, we'll move on to the work of Jesus. He says, I um, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish these things, but to fulfill them. So, in some ways, there has to be an acknowledgement we don't just get a pass but we've got to grapple with these things. We don't get to just dismiss it. And then he goes on and says, unless your righteousness goes beyond that of the experts of the law and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. So he puts some teeth to the thing. And he says, this is worth wrestling through. Um, He is also claiming, as we walk through this, He's claiming a greater authority to interpret the Sabbath than what he said the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had. So much of much of that day was about interpreting how do you apply this principle of Sabbath, and Jesus is saying, I have more authority here. And so it, it's really critical to walk through what he, what he does say then. So... He gets in the most trouble for healing people and casting out demons. So I think it would be safe to say, if you want to practice healing people and casting out demons, you're probably okay with any day of the week, just a guess. But in that, he's always bringing principles of truth when he's because he's challenging their systems. And he asks a man with a withered hand. Is in the synagogue, and, and they're watching to see what he do. So Jesus calls him up. You know, let's not let's not just guess about this. Let's make it front and center. And he he goes, What's better to do, good or evil, on this day? They don't answer because they know what's coming. So he heals them. That's a good thing. So that's a choice. So if you're going to take some type of Sabbath, it's better to do good than evil. Next illustration. Man born blind in John chapter 9. The common thought of that day was anytime you have illness or sickness, it's a result of sin. Sin in your life or your parents or such. And Jesus goes, "Mm, not in this case. This is just so that the glory of God can be revealed. And so he's making a point. He's saying, you have kind of put God in a box here that he doesn't belong. And some things are there for the glory of God and are to be overcome for that reason. In Luke chapter 13, there's a disabled woman that uh, she's been bent over, she's been... It says a spirit, uh, that Satan was causing this. 18 years she'd had this difficulty. And again, Jesus uh, goes, well, if, if you had an animal that was tied up, you'd release it, right? So you could get water. You know, in the Old Testament, they were supposed to allow their servants and their animals, everything was supposed to take a break on that day. So he's, he's likening back to the Old Testament. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute. You would take care of your animals. Why wouldn't you take care of a person? Why wouldn't you look out for them? And so then they have nothing to say, and he, he takes care of her. The next is uh, um, a man in, in Luke chapter 14, and he's uh, the Old Translation used to say he had dropsy. Don't know what it is. Then it says he had edema, which I had to look up. Swelling of the limbs, apparently, or or a limb. And uh, Jesus, again, gets into a conflict with him, and, and he asks the religious leaders, if you had a son or an animal that fell into a well, would you just leave him on the Sabbath? Of course not. There was a crisis; you would step in and take care of it. That's appropriate. And so again, he's he's laying on principles and saying, it's not just this law that binds you in such a way that you can't even take care of a crisis. It's not what he was after. Then in John chapter fourteen. Our, our, excuse me. John chapter five. Last week we looked at the healing of the man at the pool, and uh, Jesus makes this comment. He says, "Well, God's always working, and so am I. You know, He says He is He is taking care of this world. He says I'm going to take care of people too. And He says, I, in a sense, He's telling them I have authority that's greater than yours. I have a history." that you don't have. Um, the Probably the most intriguing story is, though, when the disciples are walking through the grain fields and they're plucking things of grain and eating it, and Jesus gets called out and so said, why are your disciples harvesting on the Sabbath? Now, it was legal for them to walk through fields and, and pick some grain as they went. But this had gotten turned into the kind of thing of, well, they're actually harvesting. They shouldn't even be doing that much on the Sabbath. And Jesus takes them back to the story of David when he's on the run, and he goes to the priest and says, you got any bread? And the guy goes, only what's been on the altar. And and David says, well, okay. And, and the priest says, you didn't have that. But it's, it's one of those moments where it's like, you're eating the, the bread that was given to the priest or just, you know, special this way. At first, it was dedicated to God. And it's better than dying from hunger, and Jesus is kind of bringing out that idea that it's better <laughs> than starving to just go ahead and do what's necessary. So he 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 twists their tail, so to speak. He 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 gives them something that they can't really answer, but then he goes on and he says, you know, that was special because it was part of the worship, you know, and. It, and Jesus going, something greater than the temple is right here with you. You know, they're they're all about it's sacred because of the temple, or it's sacred because of the, the tabernacle. And Jesus is going, No, the temple of God <laughs> right here with you. You know, he's he's he later tells them, you know, tear this temple down, I'll rebuild it in three days. So he's identifying himself and saying, I'm greater than what you're participating in. So he's trying to draw them in and, and make them aware of his truth. And then he has two more thing, points in this. He, he doesn't stop with just one or two. He keeps going. And he, he goes and says, I want mercy, not sacrifice. And he quotes Hosea 6.6, and the idea coming out of that, and there are several translations I threw up on there, but the the, uh, contemporary English version, this paraphrase, I probably like the best of it, and it says, I'd rather you be faithful and know me than offer sacrifices. I'd rather you spend your energy in caring for others and being faithful in that, and getting to know me than just bringing sacrifices all the time and, and offering something and saying, "Well, this should take care of him for another week." You know, <laughs> here's my tithe. You know, it, it's he's he's not into that as much as he is into the mercy. He's not into that as much as he is in getting to know each other. He'd rather do that than just have you buy them off, so to speak. And Jesus brings that out and, and says, this was the intent of the prophet. And then finally, he also says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And here's that principle where Jesus is saying, I'm greater than anything that's done on this earth. Any temporal religious practice. So in that regard, when we look at even what we're doing, all that we're doing is, is temporal, right? Because it's, it's a shadow of what the age to come is, but it is not the same as what will be. And so the principle that we've looked at over time is that anything that is temporal does not supplant the eternal. And so Jesus is going, I'm eternal, So I'm greater than this practice. Let's jump on to just a few more things. In the New Testament times, with the the development of the church, um, it 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 was some different than today, right? I mean, after the day of Pentecost... In this explosion of the church, there was so much going on. they were meeting every day, so it didn't make sense to, to develop a whole lot of law about once a week we got to get no they were they were with each other every day, and so there are some things that are kind of beyond what we would look at in this principle but let's let's walk through just this portion of ask it's so beautiful. it says every day they continue to gather together by common consent in the temple courts. In other words, they didn't make this law, you better show up every day or revival's going to stop. But they just agreed, this This is what we want to do. And they're breaking bread and sharing their food, and glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. It goes on to say, well, I jumped ahead, but you get it. They were in the middle. They, they were just... Enamored with God. And so what they were saying is, we want to be together. We want to be worshiping God. We want to be putting this energy into this. Now, as time goes on, they get driven out of the temple. They get driven out of the synagogues. They end up you know, having to find their own forms and groups and Sunday worship is happening during that time. But again, Paul lays down a few principles, and even though he's a Sabbath observer, you know, you see him regularly going to the synagogues on the Sabbath and that kind of thing. He makes this comment, he says, do not let anyone judge you with respect to food or drink, or as matter to feast, new moon, or Sabbath days, these are only a shadow of things to come. So... Again, he's going, it's not somebody else's obligation to tell you what you need to do. You have to find peace for yourself in this. In Romans, he says, one person regards one day holier than other days, another regards them all alike. Each must be fully convinced in his own mind. So again, even though he's practicing consistency this way, he is not opening the door for a new form of law. He was very aware that people got themselves into trouble by making too many rules earlier. And so he's saying, you're going to have to be convinced in yourself as to what's appropriate here. Intriguing thought, isn't it? He also puts a little barb in the end of that passage, and I didn't put it on the screen, but he goes, who are you to judge someone else's servant? <laughs> so he, he, he goes, not your place. With his own master, he rises or falls. So let's go on. In Hebrews chapter 4, there's a fairly extended passage in regard to Sabbath ideas. And I'm not going to read it all, but it carries the idea that he says, the Old Testament people in the wilderness, they heard the good news, but they didn't really enter into his rest. They had opportunity, it was right there in front of them, they heard the goodness of God, they heard what was available, but through acts of disobedience, they never did enter into the rest that he had promised available to them. And so this is coming across as a warning for the New Testament believers. And it's just saying, consequently, a Sabbath remains for the people of God. For the one who enters God's rest has also rested from his own works, just as God did from his own works. So he's saying there's a principle here of rest that is a part of this life and the anticipation of what's ahead. But if you're participating in the life of Christ now, you are resting in some measure now as you will be in the future. Thus we must make every effort to enter into the rest so that no one may fall by following the same pattern of disobedience. So you just lay, we don't want to to walk the same path of what those folks did. He says we want to learn from that. It's intriguing to me that I often separate the verses at the end of this chapter that uh, we use separately when it talks about the Word of God being living and active and like a scalpel, able, able to divide every thought and, of the heart. <laughs> this follows that whole Sabbath idea. It's like God knows our hearts even in that. He knows everything about our thinking that way. So finally, one last verse. This is out of Hebrews 10. It says, let us take thought as to how to spur one another onto love and good works, not abandoning our own meetings as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other even more so because you see the day drawing near. And so we, we take that to heart, and we say, I need to figure a way to cease work, to cease this creative energy that's flowing and trying to solve problems. I need at times to just let it be. I need to find ways of re-engaging with the Lord, to really turn my heart and attention toward Him, that it's really important that I do this. And then finally, I need to find ways that refresh. It's not just about, you know, I'm going to got to do good. but truly what is going to refresh my soul in the Lord? What is going to bring me back to a place of peace? What is going to in a sense give me that joy of life again? And I need to 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 work at this in a sense to make preparation so that's possible. And allow the Lord to speak into me during those times that I might become more like him. That I might truly, you know, I didn't mention it, but I, one of those Old Testament passages says that there was a sanctification that took place as, as they participate in this. And that's that idea of separating ourselves from the world, but also a pulling into and a cleansing in the Lord that makes us like him. And, and so that's, that's our goal when we, when we take on these things. And we recognize that Jesus was you know, fully capable of bringing some definition that hadn't been. But then now it's up to us to say, okay, Lord, in, in honesty of heart, to say, what's appropriate for this life? What's appropriate for my life in you? How do you want this done? Praise the Lord.
1: May your blessing
0: rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to rest in your presence. As each one goes into the community, ask that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen.